dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Just what is it that makes a Christian leader special? Listen in as I speak to Mark 8 through 10, where we look at this distinctive characteristic of Christian leadership, which is that our leadership leads us through and in the cross to glory. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, illumine the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit and they shall be created and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we all want to be the men and women that God has called us to be, the, the leaders that he summoned us to be, and we've come here today in order to hear his word and be challenged by what he has to say. And I think that that's, first of all, the most admirable thing, because Gosh, in today's world, it's so easy to become a follower because, I mean, our media is so strong that it makes us think that everybody out there is not like us and that we are somehow the, the, the ones who are different. And as soon as you're different from everybody else, there's something wrong with you. It's like a deep law of human psychology. Uh, you see this with teenagers, you know, they, they'll, they'll wear the strangest clothes because everybody else is wearing them. <laughs> And you, and you know that they're doing this just because everybody else is doing it. How many of us do the same things? You know, we, we can't believe what we wore in the 80s. It just looks so goofy. And yet in the 80s, it totally looked normal. That was because everybody was wearing what they wore in the 80s. You know, like the, the, our, you know, uh, our haircuts were different. Our, our skinny ties were different. You know, all these kind of strange things that we did. And yet, that's exactly how it is for so many other kinds of behaviors that we exhibit. We do not want to be the only ones, right? It's just like we're all like little teenagers deep down inside. And yet we know what happens when we go along with the crowd, and that is that we don't stand necessarily on the right side of the fence. We don't stand necessarily with what's objectively true we instead allow ourselves to be molded and determined by what the majority has declared to be the case. Now, this is an interesting point, though. I'm not even sure it's always the majority. A lot of times, it's just the loudest one. And, and understand this. When we talk about the media, we're talking about whoever it is that controls the microphone. 
because they set the tone for the whole room, right? So the microphone being, you know, the, the, the spots of advertisement at the Super Bowl, or the Super Bowl halftime show, or even the NFL period, you know, whatever kind of it, uh, of marketing that you have to drive people into attendance for something will have the power of setting the tone for a culture. Yet it doesn't have to be. Why? Because the reason why those things are so successful and, and are, are so effective is because they have leaders behind them driving them forward. And if we could have leaders that would step up and drive the culture forward in a different direction, it would go in a different direction. Culture itself is neutral, my friends. It's waiting for the one who wants to claim it. The culture in your home, the way that your kids interact with you, the way that your, your spouses interact with you, the way that your relatives interact with you, it's neutral in and of itself. It's waiting for the one who wants to drive it. I want you to think about this because so many times we feel like we're so inadequate in, in the presence of culture. And we feel like the, the, the culture's gotten away from us, and it might have. But that's because another leader has wanted to take it there more than we have. And, and if we were to, to, to work steadfastly and courageously and with time, we could reclaim that culture. But it starts within our hearts, us saying that, hey, you know what? No one's going to dictate what's going on in my house uh, more than me and my spouse. Together, we're going to set that culture. It might not be by law that we can change it, you know, in the sense of just di di you know, uh, dictating things or making things up, but it could definitely be from the intelligence of our hearts and us deciding to live differently. A law without life is void of power, but a life that expresses itself in law is determinant of culture. This is a beautiful thing. This is why we have hope as, as Christian people. This is what keep, keeps us going in the storm. And that is to say that it, we are in charge of our culture. If we live differently, we can then speak differently and we can lead differently. But we have to make that choice inside. As soon as we do, well, we become those people whom Christ has called us to be. People who work with him to bring his light and his love concretely into our, into our world. And this is what he's calling us towards. Enough of being mute. Enough of being a victim, you know. We, we, we've got to pick it up again and say, what can I do to move this ball forward? And it's nice about Christianity in particular is that he gives you a second chance. Some of you are sitting out there right now and you're listening to me and you're saying, I can't do that because, right? I want you to take whatever that because is and then put it into the tomb with Jesus Christ. <laughs> whatever that because is, it's because of what I did, put it into the tomb. It's because of the relationship that I forged, put it into the tomb. It's because of the man that I've become, put it into the tomb. Put whatever it is that's keeping you back from being that agent of change for the better and put it into the tomb with Jesus because our Lord died, suffered and died to put that because into death and that he might rise again from his tomb and rise with you 
to claim that victory that you so desire. That victory of life and love, the victory of the Spirit. Christ has made you for that victory. I don't know what it is, the fight between you and your spouse, the words that you've said. You put that away from you and you move forward now because the one who is behind you is bigger than the one who is before you. Jesus is bigger than the world and he's bigger than your because. He's bigger than your excuses. He has died and is risen again and will die no more. He is the Lord of life and he's summoning you into leadership. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. I'd like today to look especially at the unique characteristics of what it is to be a Christian leader. And if we're looking at Mark and trying to work our way through the gospel, looking for the different lessons that Christ gives to his leaders. And we've already seen, you know, a few of them. I want to focus now on Mark 8 through 10 and look at this as one single lesson. And the reason is because in Mark 11, Jesus enters into Jerusalem. So already he's turning towards his cross. He's turning towards his resurrection and the last th uh, three chapters, 8, 9, and 10, present a constant like interplay of the same theme. And that theme is that the glory comes through the cross. And this is distinctively Christian, of course, right? This is what makes us Christian. And yet I want to ask you, like, are you leading as a Christian? <laughs> now, we all know business has its own laws, okay? The market has its own laws. And an intelligent business person is somebody who knows how to read those laws and turn them towards his benefit. You, you can't change the human heart. You can't change human nature. You can't fundamentally transform it. You, you have to ride with it. This is something that even Aristotle, way back in antiquity, the ancient philosopher, he said, this beautiful phrase you can remember, he said, art builds upon nature. Now, by art, he means everything that is a human endeavor to transform something. So you could say business is built upon nature. Okay, so you can't make a roof out of spaghetti noodles. If you do, the water's going to come right through and your roof's going to wash away the first time that it rains. Well, neither can you, you know, act like you can market to a human being in any way and drive their behavior. Behavior is driven by certain laws, and the more that you know those laws, the better you're going to be able to market. It's just common sense. Well, in the same way, we know that Jesus knows human nature more and better than anybody else. And if we're going to follow him into our leadership, we have to accept that, yes, there are certain laws that I can't change, but I can approach those laws with a perspective of depth. Jesus doesn't tell us that leadership is, Jesus is the master leader. Jesus is the master marketer. Jesus is, is the prototype for how, for what we need in order to be a, a successful in our leadership, even in our business and even in our secular enterprises, because he's the author of nature. 
So he made that human heart and he made that ability for human beings to cooperate. So he knows from the inside the best way to create organizations. And I'd just like to point out to you, (laughs) in case you doubt this, that the Catholic Church that he founded is the oldest organization to survive through all of the storms of history on the planet. There might be other movements, other philosophies that are older than Christianity, but there is no worldwide organization that is older. We are the oldest continual organization on the planet. So when it comes time to like, what does Christ know really? How it does Christian, can it really affect my leadership, right? Can it really affect the way that I work at the, at the office? I'd like to say that it had better because nobody has, has a more proven track record than Christ. Okay, so, and he did it with terrible HR. <laughs> what I mean by that, his employees that he hired were not competent to the job. And yet, and yet he made them competent by his grace. So he could even do, he could even put treasures in broken vessels, right? He can preach the gospel with, with fishermen. He can, be, he can make fishermen into shepherds, you know, and the story goes on and on and on. My point in saying all of this, though, is that when we look at our leadership, we have to look at, as, at, at it as more than laws that we can discover from self-help books and from, from people who are successful purely at that. We can also take our Christianity to say all of those laws of behavior and all of those laws of management are totally valid. And yet there's a deeper perspective at play. And if I bring that deeper perspective at play, I discover the unique aspects of a Christian leadership. And so what are those deeper aspects? Well, let's take a look. I mean, right? Like, so if, if we were to study the Bible and understand God's teaching here, we'd see some amazing things. The first is that the cross never stands alone. Our Lord didn't just die but he rose from the dead. And St. Paul, of course, will tell us the same thing. God might ask you to go through the cross, but it's always with a view to raising you from the dead with Christ Jesus our Lord. I can understand that. And I can bring that to bear. In, in my, wouldn't that be amazing if in my organization, in one way or the other, I was able to lead with that perspective? Suddenly we might be able to focus a lot more on the good that is being done and happening through us as a team and the deeper perspective of how we're transforming society and even the deeper meaning to our work than whether or not we simply succeed. We need to be vision-driven leaders, not just vision-driven leaders in terms of pure practicality, but wise leaders who have a deeper perspective to things. And frankly, isn't this what our people want of us? Isn't this what they're expecting? I guess what I'm trying to say is that a, a, a Christian leader needs to be a person of depth and that Jesus brings us into that depth. And unlike anyone else, he teaches us that our crosses are only preludes to the resurrection. Maybe not in an earthly sense, certainly not in an earthly sense, but definitely in a profound sense of the workings of God. And then it goes on from there, right? And he, he says this in many different ways in Mark uh, 8 through 10. The same idea, look at 930. 
The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him. And when he is killed after three days, he will rise. Yet another prediction. And then who is it that's the greatest? Is the one who serves the rest. Um, he goes on from there to talk about to the rich young man in Mark 10, verse 17. And the rich young man says, I've done everything. I've obeyed all the laws. And, and what more? And, he's, and our Lord says, you lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. It's absolutely amazing. The same thing, go and give everything away. Everything that you worked for. Yes, there's a deeper perspective. There's who you are. It goes back exactly to Mark 8 again. Whoever, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? I mean, is there anything that you can give in, in return for your life? No, of course. It's the most important thing. Well, then Jesus is like, that's where we're going to focus ourselves. We're going to focus ourselves in understanding that everything that we're doing as a leader is to lead our people into that true life to keep themselves intact in who they are. The, the churches in the Bible's teachings about ethics, my friends, these are not laws that keep us down or that somehow ought to get in our way. They're laws that show us pathways to being truly effective. I, I, if I'm really leading as a Christian, it's of course that I'm trying to make the endeavor succeed and I'm trying to push forward in, in, in ways that make for, for greater profit and for greater, you know, award. Of course, that's why we're doing it. But it's not the only reason why. The other reason why we're doing it is because we want our people to be truly great and our society to advance through what we're doing. That deeper perspective is reinforced by Christ. Not only here, but in all the different pages of sacred scripture. And he expects our leaders to have the same perspective. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. I'd like now, though, to see how this all comes to bear. And this is that this somewhat abstract, you know, it, it can seem abstract anyway, uh, teaching of church's social ethics and of how Jesus expects his leaders to lead with his deeper perspective, etc. It can sometimes seem to be, I don't know, a little bit difficult to put into, into practice. But our Lord makes it personal. And he does this, of course, in Mark chapter 10, verses 35 to 45. Here Jesus speaks directly to the heart of the leader as a person. He says, in other words, all of this is not done by just following textbooks. Okay, you, you can't follow a textbook into leadership. This is done by being transformed in the deep recesses of who you are. Your identity being forged. And our Lord is a master of this. If you look at this passage, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup 
from which I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard of it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Our Lord is, couldn't be clearer here. He's after your heart as a leader more than he's after your leadership. What you will do for the advancement of your teams and of your people and of your families will flow from who you are. And our Lord teaches and brings his apostles into this deep knowledge that who you are is forged by an experience lived in union with him. You will carry the cross with him. You will drink from the, the cup from which he drinks. You will be baptized with that baptism that he is to be baptized with so that you will lead as he leads. This is an, an incredible revelation of intimacy with Christ. He wants us to know him from the inside, to live what he lives with him. And this is the deep why behind why he asked you to take up this mantle of leadership. It'd be so much easier for us to not do it, you know? So much more comfortable to let someone else do it. You know, we could just let go of our families. We could let go of our extended families. We could let go of our workplace environments. We could just live for ourselves. But our Lord did not die for us upon the cross so that we lived for ourselves. He died for us upon the cross so that we bring his life into this world through ours. He wants to be united to us from the inside. Isn't this where all of our teaching that we've always heard from the time we were little about how much God loves us and how special we are in the eyes of God, isn't this where it becomes real? Isn't this where it becomes effective? I mean, to think that you are wanted by God, this is a, a mind-blowing and beautiful thing. Every single one of you has been chosen by God to share his life. And a leader has been chosen by God to serve as a leader with him. How do I do that? I allow him to draw me into himself. Right after James and John say this, in a sense, on behalf of all of his disciples and apostles, the next thing that happens, Jesus goes into Jerusalem. He first asks them and invites them by desire to unite themselves to him and to enter into this perspective of serving others in and with him. And the next thing that he does, he takes them with him into Jerusalem. These chapters of Mark 8 
through 10 are an incredible lesson in leadership. The truth that he so clearly articulates that the cross is the prelude of the resurrection and the necessary door through which those who would rise again must enter is then embodied in this glory of the transfiguration where Christ reveals to them in a way that they could never forget the power of what is waiting in front of them. And he demonstrates this to the rich young man whom he then invites to leave everything behind and to enter into this promise. And right then he culminates everything by saying to them, and now it's your turn. And so my friends, I look out at you and I say to you, each one of you, and now it's your turn. It's your turn to enter into intimacy with Christ. How? Well, in and through what he's asked you to do. I mean, I think that usually there is enough of a wild ride adventure in the world of leadership in one way or the other, in business and in family and in culture, being a teacher, whatever it is where Christ has asked us to make an impact into this world, there it is that he's asking you to lead. Your volunteerism, your, your, the way that you attend meetings, there's enough of a wild ride adventure there to fill many, many lives. <laughs> this is why so many people would just prefer not even to enter into it. It would just be so much easier on all of us if we just allowed ourselves to just let go and, and, and let someone else take the charge in leadership. Of course. But this is not what you've chosen. You've chosen the harder way. You've chosen the way of the cross. And you walk that harder way of the cross with Jesus Christ at your side. And I would even say more than that, he walks it in you. It's his way and it's his sufferings. You take that rising and the falling, the ups and the downs, the risks of every day, and you unite them with Jesus Christ through the holy sacrifice of the mass. You offer them to God on that altar in the hands of the priest. And in and through the offering of the Eucharist, you offer everything that you have. When the priest puts the bread and the wine on the altar, you put your successes and your pains in the altar. What we're called to do, we're called to do with him for the glory of God the Father. And this is a great calling. And this is our holiness. To live in intimate union with Christ through the cross into the glory by and through the exercise of the talents and the powers that he has given us to lead others into this depth with the wisdom of the cross. This indeed is the challenge and the glory and the thrill of the gospel. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.